0: Welcome back. We hope you've been behaving yourself. This is Mary Lewis. And this is Jackie Noto. Welcome to Behave Yourself, a podcast on BA
1: without the BS. Mary, what is your character this week? From Stevie to Alexis, How's it been going?
0: This week, I'm feeling Elle Woods. I found this playlist on Spotify called Elle Woods Inspirational Playlist. And so the songs are very similar to like the iconic Perfect Day song that she listens to while she's getting ready. And that's a song, that's the playlist I listened to while I was getting ready. And I'm just embracing the Elwoods' Woods behavior of loving life, ignorance is bliss, getting things done, loving myself, that kind of week. God bless. Onwards
1: and upwards.
0: What is your character of
1: the week? This week, I'm aligning with a character from the TV show I told you guys about last week, Has Been Hotel. Her name is Charlie Morningside. And she is the princess of hell. She's Lucifer's daughter, <laughs> uh, but she's the protagonist in the show. She's trying to save souls in hell. And in order to do so, she's got to come up with these new ideas and she's got to pitch some of the other people. And a lot of the show is just her being shot down or things not working out. And she gets a little sad. She gets a little bit in her feels, but then she remembers what her purpose is and what she's there to do. And she bounced back and gets right back into it. So I'm feeling a little bit like Charlie Morningside where I've been trying some stuff. It hasn't been working out. Got a little of my feels. And now I need to be the other side of Charlie Morningside and get back up and get back moving because that's what we do. We are resilient individuals. We are powerful women. And both Charlie and myself are looking to improve the world. So I'm feeling a Charlie Morningside kind of week this week.
0: It sounds like you're practicing some values clarification and it's benefiting you. So that's so exciting to hear.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Do you have any
0: recommendations for us this week? My recommendation for this week, something that is low response effort if you have access to Google Sheets is a template that is labeled to-do list. And it's a template set up and it looks like a physical to-do list pad where it has a checkbox and a date. And when you click the checkbox, it strikes through the entire line. And it's really nice because it's digital. So when you're working on a big project or you're just feeling overwhelmed, you need to brain dump in a way that you can easily like backspace, copy, paste, remove. This can be a great feature. It's something that I use when I need to break down a really big project into really, really small tasks. I also get that reinforcer and I get that dopamine hit when I check off something, even if it's the smallest thing, or if it's something I did and I'm like, that's not on my list. I just type it in, check it off. That's my recommendation.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. Using technology to our benefit is always something I'm up for. Absolutely.
0: What is your recommendation for this week?
1: So my recommendation this week originally stemmed from the Megan Thee Stallion, Nicki Minaj beef that was happening a little bit ago, but it's also something that my father has taught me from a very young age but my dad would say that Dwight D. Eisenhower would always take his time to respond. Even if someone asked what's the color of the sky, he wouldn't answer immediately. He'd go and he'd look at the window and he'd look outside and see what color the sky was that day before he would answer. So my recommendation this week is take time to respond. We don't have to respond to things immediately. I mean, with the rat beef that's happening right now, there was an immediate response and it didn't go over too well. And sometimes in our personal or professional lives, we feel the need to respond to something immediately when in reality, we don't need to be responding immediately. If someone asks you, are you able to take on this extra task? You don't have to say yes or no in that moment. You can say, let me think about that and get back to you. So that's my big recommendation this week. Take time to respond, especially if you're having difficulty balancing a lot of tasks or roles, giving yourself a little bit extra time to figure out, do I really want to say yes to this can be a beneficial tool.
0: It can also be a good indicator of red or green flag relationships if you do feel pressured to immediately reply. And so taking a second to be like, This person really wants a response right now and seems kind of agitated that I'm kind of taking my time. Hmm, looks like a red flag is approaching, is appearing. (laughs) Mary, what are we spilling the tea on today? Today, we are talking about how to truly recognize and achieve and obtain real reinforcers in our environment to experience what it really means functionally to have self-care and to to have self-love Even if you're going a million miles a minute. Because the thing about life, the funny, tragic thing about life is sometimes the more you do, the less benefits you reap. And then you have to find the benefits and make them yourselves. And we would love to help you find those benefits because you deserve them.
1: Yeah, the con of life is it really is a roller coaster. Some days you're up, some days you're down, some days you're stuck in the middle of the loop-de-loop. So when we're talking about this reinforcement today, we're specifically hitting at our high achievers, those who are taking so much on their plate, where there should be a lot of reinforcement available, but sometimes you just get a little bogged down. You might be able to juggle, but can you juggle 14 chainsaws? Probably not. So we're going to look at how we can set our high achievers up for success in those workplace settings.
0: Disclaimer anyone at any time can be a high achiever. What we are specifically talking about is when you're in those scenarios where you are the high achiever. That can be anyone. There can be other areas of your life where you are a lower performer or you're doing the bare minimum. We love that for you. But we're precisely talking about when you're in those situations and you're like, oh, I am doing more than others. This is not in my job description. Hmm. An additional disclaimer the hosts of Behavior Self Pod do not advocate
1: for juggling chainsaws.
0: Yes, so important. <laughs> thank you for making. Thank you for making that disclaimer. Do not try this at home. Thank you. <laughs> do not try this in general. A moderate performer, I think, in life will really benefit you. But if you're like us and you've been in the high achiever situations every once in a while, there are benefits. It doesn't have to be long term though. <laughs> so let's dive on into this. Opening up here, you would,
1: I think a lot of people would assume that a high achiever would get a lot of kudos, would get a lot of reinforcement. But often we don't really see that being the case.
0: Yes. So what happens is kind of the opposite of what you would think would happen, which is tragic. The more that you do and the more that you overpromise and overachieve, that becomes your new baseline over time. So in the past, when you would have gotten more accolades or kudos or recognition or some type of reinforcer for going above and beyond, if you continue to go above and beyond and are not advocating like, oh, I don't have time for this or this is too much for my, on my plate or this is really stressing me out, then people will expect that to be your normal baseline. And now you're not getting any reinforcers or kudos for doing more than you should on a consistent basis. And that's not fair to you, but it's a really easy cycle to fall into. And a little OBM fun
1: fact to throw in here, a lot of organizations operate predominantly on negative reinforcement. So often when you're going to see your boss, when you're going to see your supervisor is when you're getting scolded or you've done something wrong instead of them coming to you with those accolades. So someone who's doing well overperforming, high performing isn't going to be getting that contact with their supervision staff because that primary focus is going towards individuals who need to increase their performance or improve their performance. So it's not that you don't deserve accolades, you don't deserve kudos, but most organizational systems are not set up in that form of reinforcement.
0: And I think the mindset behind when you're in that high achiever mode is that the more you do, the more value it's going to add for you. The more you demonstrate how you can do every single type of task for every single type of project, the more others will see value in you. And that's just not the case. Not only is it not going to happen, but you don't need to do that to establish your value in the workplace. This is actually
1: something that my mom warned me about from a very young age. She would always say to me, You know, 20% of the people in the organization do 80% of the work because once you start volunteering to take on these extra roles, to take on these extra responsibilities, when they need someone to take on something else in the future, you are the person that they're going to reach out to because they know that you're going to say yes, whereas other people might not say yes, but you have a pattern of behavior where you agree to take on extra work or extra responsibilities. So that's advice piece one from my mom is keeping in mind that 20% of the people that are there are doing more work than other people and you don't always have to say yes. But part two is she would tell me, you know, you give 100% in all of these different aspects of your life. Would it be so bad if you only gave 80% in one of them? If you only got a passing grade instead of an A+. would that really be the end of the world? Probably not. And the reason why she shares that is to explain to me as someone who always does try to high achieve overperform, people, please, is that you don't always have to give a hundred percent. And that if you did just scale it back a little bit, people are still going to think it's great. It's just not your perfectionism coming through.
0: And there's a spectrum. There are times where if you want to overachieve, you want to show your skills, especially as a new professional in the field. I think that's amazing. Go for it. But I think it's important to not get stuck in it. And when you're ready to pull back a little bit, or you're ready to offload some of those extra responsibilities you've been doing for XYZ, not only are you allowed to do that, but you can do it while still maintaining, like Jackie said, that value in your professionalism and still demonstrating that you're competent in all of those skills. And
1: something that Mary and I have talked about just with each other outside of the podcast is just because we can do something doesn't mean that we're the only person who can do it or that we have to do it. Just because you're able to do it or you have the skills to do it or you have the knowledge to do it doesn't mean that you have to be
0: the person who does that. This, that is literally the recipe for compassion fatigue. Especially in a clinical setting, if you are trying to constantly do every single type of task and you're not delegating in any way, and you're only doing the task because you can, not because it's necessarily within your job description or what you are uniquely qualified for – you will experience compassion fatigue, which then affects your work performance in a negative way. And you can also experience burnout. So not only do you not need to do that, it is not going to help you. And it's also gonna hurt your other employees and mentees and supervisors in the long run, because there's an imbalance of the tasks that are being done. And here we can once again, connect this back to OBM. There are different types of waste that
1: happen within a system. And systems, behavioral systems analysis is a big part of organizational behavior management. And we're looking at increasing the efficiency in the workplace by reducing needless tasks, repetitive behavior, or places that we're not setting up our system the best that it could be. One example of a waste that can happen in a system is known as a skills waste. And this is where you have someone who is above and beyond whatever you're asking them to do, but they're engaging in this behavior. So an example of this would be if you have a BCBA who's really great at training other people and they've gone through training certification courses and they've trained people before. And again, they do your TCI training, they do your TBI trainings. And instead of having them create trainings or hire and help the new RBTs that are coming on and train them into the role, you take this BCBA and you plop them in the chair with the client. This is an example of a skills waste. Yes, can the BCBA work directly with the client? They can. However, they also have this entirely other set of skills that would be more beneficial for the company to benefit off of those skills instead of using them in a realm that isn't really beneficial for the employee or for the system at hand.
0: And tying that together with compassion fatigue and acknowledging how that happens The key, so I've been told, in learning how to delegate is realizing that just because you're delegating or just because you're mentoring someone else or asking somebody else or out-resourcing some other task so that you are able to focus on the task that you are uniquely qualified to do, you are not caring any less. If anything, you're caring more efficiently, which is not only going to benefit you, self-care, self-love, but it's going to benefit the entire organization and everyone else that you interact with. And that is so easy to say, and it's so hard to believe and to trust in because it's a delayed consequence.
1: And honestly, to do, not to get a little bit into mentalisms here, but I think that our ego gets in the way of yeah, I could ask someone to do this, but I could do it better or I could do it quicker or I could just get it done and crossed off. I can get a little post-reinforcement pause real quick. I can just get this out of the way instead of burdening someone else with something that I'm completely capable of doing. But once again, your skills might be better used in a different sector than what you're spending the time doing right now that you could delegate to someone else on your team. 100%.
0: Everybody needs that little ego hit every once in a while. And that's that's okay, but it's not something that we want to promote long-term because it doesn't benefit you and it doesn't benefit your organization or anyone else that you're working with. And that just defeats the whole purpose. That's not why we're here. So how can we
1: shift this pattern of behavior in our high achievers in the workplace?
0: Such a great question. I think the most effective or the most reinforcing, do I say, strategy is to identify reinforcers in your work environment. You're currently a high achiever. You're currently in a really stressful position and you're doing a lot of the work. You are pulling 80% of that weight. Maybe you can't get out of that. Identify reinforcers, contrive them in your environment ASAP. Are the reinforcers that are already set in your environment, do they truly function as reinforcers for you? Probably not. Can you change them? Can you adapt to them? Can you add new reinforcers? OBMify your life and contrive them so that you contact them while you are continuing to perform what you're doing. And then once you've reached a state of where you can transition and shape your behaviors to kind of scale back, you can do that. But I would say the first step, doing a little assessment, doing a little picnic analysis, figuring out what reinforcers can you get in your veins ASAP. I feel like at this point, we need OBMify your life on a
1: mug. Like it is just one of our statements again and again and again. Like use the principle of behavior analysis in your own life. You know that this stuff works. Yeah. Why wouldn't it work
0: for you when it works for everyone else? OBMify your life, baby. I need it tattooed on my forehead because I'm saying this to anyone who's listening right now. I need to take my own advice. I'm not, i am not mastered the skill. Um, I will be on Canva making an OBMify your life mug and I will be showing it to Jackie after we do this episode, in case anybody's wondering. That is, that is my, that's the rest of my day. Thanks for planning the rest of my day. (laughs) If you're interested in a mug, I guess let us know and we'll get them out there. (laughs) So after we have assessed, Jackie, what do we do next?
1: We've got to make sure that we're engaging once again in that basic behavior analysis. We've got to collect data on our behaviors And evaluate them. We have to be engaging in self-monitoring and see if we're engaging in the behaviors we want to see and if we're engaging in those behaviors that we don't. And then we need to put those interventions in place. Maybe we need to program more reinforcement. Maybe we need to intervene with some boundaries. Maybe we need to set up some expectations for the workplace. One of my favorite boundaries that BCBAs do is that red-green visual aid on their door that says, if you can come in or if you can't right now. Yes. And of course, if there's an emergency, the red side doesn't count, but if you have a general question and it's red, you're going to have to wait. So not just programming those reinforcers, but collecting data on what you're currently engaging in, maybe the hours of the day that you're engaging in specific behaviors, how you're feeling about those behaviors, and then doing some interventions. Do we need more reinforcers? Do we need job aids? Do we need prompts? Or do we need interventions to help us to maintain boundaries in the workplace to reduce our likelihood of agreeing to everything or making time for everyone when we need to prioritize our current work?
0: And I would arguably say that once you start self-monitoring and you are accurate with it and you can truly predict your behaviors, you can use that as a form of self-care and self-love because at this point... As someone new in the field who's so excited about research, if somebody asked me to do something related to burnout mitigation or job crafting, I don't care if it's too much on my plate, I'll probably say yes, because I'm obsessed with it and I love it and I want that to be my niche. And so I know I'm self-aware that that's gonna happen. Therefore, if I get asked to do that, I'm probably gonna say yes, which means in the back of my head, if I'm asked to do something else, I can self-monitor and self-evaluate and say, hmm, does this go back and align with my values? Is there anything else that might appear in these next few weeks that I will want to 100% say yes to and that's okay? And then that will help me make the decision. So we're not saying like all of a sudden stop achieving, like lower the bar. That's fine. You can keep the bar high, but the self-monitoring is how you can practice the self-love and truly saying like, when am I gonna have that itch to do too much? And then when can I say, you know, you did a lot last week and that's really cool, but you don't have to do that much this week. And I'm not gonna lie to you.
1: If you're someone who hasn't historically said no, when you start saying no, that is hard. You feel like, and this is my personal experience here, you feel like like this evil villain. You're in your villain era, but in reality, you're practicing boundaries. And like Mary said earlier, if someone can't accept no or can't accept the fact that you want time to think about your answer before you give it, Maybe we should start thinking about other behaviors that are taking place in that workplace because we should be able to advocate for ourselves. We should be able to take time to respond when we're asked to take on a new task or a new role. We should be able to say no if we're already hitting all of our hours for the week that we are getting paid.
0: And as we've said before, nobody else is going to do this self-monitoring. Nobody else is going to advocate for you. Nobody else is going to sit down. I mean, if there is someone in your life, that's a gift and a blessing and hold on to them and say, hey, I think you're doing a little too much. I don't think you need to do this. You can say no, you're going to have to do that. And that's ultimately on you. You're the only person who can show up for yourself in this fashion. Yes. In terms of shaping and starting the process of delegating, something that I think could be beneficial and maybe a easier way to practice delegating instead of just taking what's on your plate and shoving it into someone else. That's not what we're saying. Especially if you're in a lower role, you know, you're not a CEO, you, you have work to do. <laughs> Something that I think could be a good start to delegating is not necessarily asking somebody else to do the task that you were gonna do, but ask for help or ask to meet up with someone who also has to do that task and that is what we like to call relational crafting, which is a type of job crafting. Without going too deep, job crafting, job crafting is just shaping the when and the how and the why of a task, but still doing that required task. You're just contriving it a little bit, OBMifying it, if you will, to make it a little bit easier on yourself based on your needs and preferences. So with relational crafting, it's all about engaging with others or knowing when to isolate and say, I do this task better and I get more enjoyment out of this task when I do it myself or relying on others. So that could be a good start for delegating. I like that. I think one of those things that's hard with delegating is exactly what you said,
1: feeling like you have a lot of work and now you're just giving someone else a lot of work. So why don't once again we OBMify our lives if we are a lead of a team, if we are in a position of power in an organization, why don't we have our mentees or supervisees, the individuals who are beneath us in that power structure, also do reinforcer assessments. See what they like to do, what they are interested in. And then when it comes to delegating, you can delegate them tasks that they've already identified they have interest in, either currently or want to further their knowledge in. This way, you are delegating something, but you don't have to have that guilt laden with the delegation because you're delegating something that is mutually beneficial for both you and them. You get something off your plate, but they're getting extra experience in something that they're interested in. They're getting extra opportunities to practice a scope that they want to prioritize.
0: Yes, that's cognitive crafting. We don't need to talk about it, but it's just exciting. <laughs> the Everything you, relates back to science. <laughs> what you said about delegating you're so in your head you're delegating but in someone else's head you're identifying and being thoughtful about their niches and interests and presenting them with an opportunity that's cognitive grafting and i think this is even more challenging which i'm glad you said what you said because there are a lot of times where your coworkers are just as stressed out as you you may not be the only high achiever and so that's where the guilt can set in and that's why doing these assessments and self monitoring and changing your mindset around how to delegate can be so helpful.
1: Another way to start programming and practicing flexibility and compassion for yourself in your life when it comes to these job roles, when it comes to these new expectations, is a recommendation I gave a couple of weeks ago. One, if someone says, how fast can you have this done? Instead of answering, say, when would you like it done by? Because if they have a certain date that they want to have it done by, but you think you could get this work done in four hours from now, you can ask them for the date. I think something that I do often is when someone says, when can you have this done by? I give it them a date that's the soonest possible time I could have it done by if I dropped every single thing else off of my plate. And that's not a behavior set that's going to be able to maintain. So ask them for the time frame that they want to have it done by or if they don't have a time frame. One of my little life hacks here, provide a longer time frame than you think you need. If that time frame is too long, your supervisor is going to say, "Oh, well I actually need it done by here," and then you have their answer anyway. But if not, you've provided yourself more time than you think that you need. The reason I say this When you're in like a supervisory position, I would always rather have an employee who gave me a timeframe of two weeks and delivered in seven days than an employee who gave me a timeframe of six days and delivered on day seven. I would rather have you ask for more time and deliver faster than ask for less time and have to scramble, turn in a not completed product or turn in a product later than what I was expecting. So we're just setting ourselves up for success here. Why not give yourself more time? If you get it done great, you're an over you're overachieving. You're hitting the original deadline you may have set, but you're giving yourself that flexibility for life. Life comes up and it can really take you out. So allow yourself that little bit of flexibility, that little bit of compassion just once again. Just because you can have it done in 2 days doesn't mean you have to have it done in two days, especially if it's not needed for two months.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's contriving reinforcers in your environment if you get reinforcement out of completing tasks because no, you know, you're confident that you're going to get the task done before the quote due date. So now that we've talked about why high achieving happens, what's what's the secret sauce? How do you fall into that sand pit? We talked a little bit of how to walk through the quicksand and get out of it. But at the end of the day, we want to be able to maintain these behaviors. And it's one thing to sit here and talk about it on a podcast. But in the moment when your boss asks you if you can last minute write up this blah, 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 blah. And you're like, <laughs> how do you get to that confidence state of being like, pause and remember everything that Jackie just said and try to implement it and successfully like go about your day? Because, and I think this is an important point to talk about, there is reinforcement in overachieving sometimes. like that dopamine hit and that ego, I've certainly had it of being like, "I'm not supposed to be doing this right now, <laughs> but I am. And then over time, that just burns you out, and you're like, this isn't fun anymore. Like, I don't need to, I don't need to do this anymore. And so I think it's important to to mention that it's something that we do get reinforcement out of and that's why we do it. So we wanna talk about how to maintain some of these practices when it's like that kryptonite task where you're like, oh, this is my specialty. Like I'm the only one who can do this. Nope, not true. (laughs) You start and you're like, girl boss. And by the end you're like, rat rot. (laughs) Yeah, you're like, I'm being sunburned because I'm too close to the sun. I've flown too high. I love the mythology reference there. So how do we do this? I honestly, I don't have a real answer, but I think talking about it is important. Yeah,
1: one, we say this time and time and again, get a group that you find support in. Peer support is so big because, you know, sometimes I think we also girl boss, gatekeep and gaslight ourselves. Oh yeah. We keep all of this information to ourselves. We're not sharing it with other people. And then you share an inkling of what you're experiencing and people are like, Why did, why are you taking on all this extra work? You don't have time to do that. You just told me last week how stressed you were and now you took on an extra project. So talking about what's going on with people that you trust and people who support you is a huge step, but two, start practicing setting boundaries in your personal and professional lives. And if you don't feel comfortable beginning with a no, begin with a, I'll think about it and get back to you. Mm -hmm. I'll think about it and get back to you is a completely appropriate professional response. Mm -hmm. And you can choose to take that time to think it over. It's not, it doesn't feel as harsh to do as a no does as someone who is a healing people pleaser where saying no is hard. Asking for time to think about it is an easier step. Start taking small steps. Instead of thinking, I need to do all of the things that Mary and Jackie just talked about. Start with. One, start with one behavior, one step. Don't Mm. overachieve on this podcast, right? LOL. We just told you, don't take everything and put it on your plate. Why would you take everything we just said right now and try to implement it all at once? Yeah. You're doing the same thing again. Start with one thing. Start with your assessment. Start with your self-monitoring. Start with
0: asking for more time. Start with one aspect. I love that. I think that is very on brand. Also, this- highlights our og of functionally why we started the podcast we wanted to share with others all the gatekeeping and the (laughs) in our brain negative thoughts that we were having to be like whoa we're actually doing okay we are adding value and things are okay we're doing great actually and we can help others by sharing and chatting about it the highs and the lows the highs and the lows is there anything else you'd like to share or wrap up in terms of how high achievers can enjoy their life?
1: Yes, everything doesn't have to be perfect for it to be good. Perfectionism. Isabella, how she always feels that everything has to be perfect and it it doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be perfect in every single thing you do. Stop reaching for perfectionism because- It's a drug that will kill you. And it it doesn't matter it doesn't matter if you're perfect it matters that you're good amen should we dive into hydration station absolutely how are you staying hydrated what's filling up your cup
0: I have been listening to the demoted podcast they talk about uh corporate life and they they talk about like the humor in the stress of work and I like their podcast because it's real and they share real examples, but they also make it funny. Corporate Natalie, Corporate Bro. Um, I just like it. I have only listened to a few episodes. I feel like I can't give a proper synopsis, but it is truly filling up my cup. It's making me feel less isolated as a stressed academic student. I was smiling in the car driving, like my face is like smiling. I was like, this is kind of weird. As I was listening to the episode, I was getting that much joy out of it. So that's filling me up this week.
1: Love to hear it. New podcasts are always great. And feeling that you have a sense of community is one of the things I love about podcasts.
0: We love podcasts. Jackie, how are you staying hydrated this week?
1: Weather's getting nicer. So the boy and I are taking some longer walkies outside, which has been lovely. And I've been finding new rocks. So if you've been staying tuned with my rock tumbling journey right now, I am on Phase three of my first rock tumble, we're going to switch into phase four over this weekend. Uh, Rocks have to tumble through five different levels, essentially. Uh, But I have a bunch of extra rocks that I've been collecting. And there's just so much quartz in my area. And it's so easy to locate. So every time we're on a walk, it's exactly how I used to feel as a little kid about finding a crunchy leaf and you crunch on it. And you're just like, ha, my soul, it's full. That's me. When I see a rock, we go on our little walks and I look down and I'm like, Oh, a piece of crackle quartz." I pick it up. I put it in my pocket and we take a couple of steps and go, Oh, a piece of smoky quartz." I pick it up, put it in my pocket and we keep walking. So it's just like a great reinforcer in something that's already reinforcing. Cause I'm outside I'm with my dog and it's just nice. Cause I don't, I don't know how your guys' dogs walk mine. He walks fine, but he does want to like stop and sniff stuff. So it's kind of nice that like, I'm not always stopping for him. Sometimes he's stopping for me because I want to stop and pick up a rock. So it also makes it feel like a more symbiotic walk than just a walk for him. It's a walk for us, which I think is really helpful for me as well.
0: Yeah. And that's so nice that you've like habit stacked it into something you're already doing. And you've, that's a great example of contriving reinforcement. Like you have to do the task no matter what, he's got to go on his walk But it's not all about him. I mean, we cater, obviously, we love Hercules, but it's also so nice that you equally have something to contact that's a really high reinforcer for you. Also, arguably, it's intermittent because you don't know what you're going to find. Or you're like, no, I know exactly what I'm going to find on every single step of the way. But (laughs) no, there's new new stuff every day. Yeah. It's also like- the crows will be like, oh,
1: shiny rock. They pick it up and they toss it somewhere else. Every day there's a possibility of finding something different, which is always so fun. Or like when the rain happens, it gets rid of the first layer of soil and then you can see more rocks. I just, I'm a nerd and I've loved rocks since I was a little kid. I've also collected like rocks from all of these different places that I've gone to. So I have like a rock from the Statue of Liberty. I have the Louvre. I have the Grand Canyon. So it's also just like, something that i've loved since i was a child which is something we've talked about here before is that things that you find joy in aren't childish but sometimes looking back to what you did find joy in as a child can help you in figuring out what is reinforcing for you now
0: yes 100% when will do you know when phase 4 will be done or is it just like when it's done
1: It's, uh, it's going to be like about eight days and then phase five is going to be about eight days. So we got about like two weeks left until my first load is done. Oh, I'm so excited.
0: Uh, Is it running like the whole time for eight days? Like, does it make noise? Uh, So my brother and his
1: wife got me the professional (laughs) net geo rock tumbler. So it does make noise, but it's quieter than a washer machine or a dishwasher would be. It's just like a bumbling noise in the background.
0: Wow. Well, I'm thrilled
1: to see them. I'm excited to show you. They already look so different compared to when I put them in. Uh, And this was just like a trial batch because it's my first run. So I just chose a couple of rocks. I chose some bigger ones to see what they would look like. And it's just so cool to see their patterns and how Shiny and beautiful they are. And then what I've been doing too is when you tumble rocks, obviously chunks of the stone are going to come off. Mm. And this painting, so I have a painting behind me that's in every Zoom call I take, including when I teach class. I now hate this painting. I used to have it horizontal and I liked it because it looks like an abstract sunset on the water. Mm -hmm. But right now I have it vertical to cover my utility box and I hate it. I know I don't like it when it's vertical. I like it when it's horizontal. So one of my upcoming plans is all the tiny pieces of stone that have been chipping off. I'm keeping them separately Mm -hmm. and I'm going to remake this painting into like a fluid art pour to make it look like a geode. And then I'm going to take actual tiny crystals that I've found and put them in the inside to make it look like a real geode piece of work. I'm obsessed. That's going to be so cool. I agree, but I have to get in. I have to tumble enough stones to get enough chips in order to do it. So it's like another uh, elongated reinforcer that's
0: also something to look forward to, something that's exciting. Hashtag OBMifying your life. Woot woot. And that wraps up this week's episode. Thanks for tuning in.
1: Remember to make waves, collect data, and as always, behave yourself.